Welcome to the Win the 16 podcast presented by Pygon One Consulting. This is your go-to podcast on optimizing your day. The Win the 16 podcast features discussions on leadership and coaching, personal and professional development, as well as discussions on the modern work culture and engaging employees in hybrid and remote work environments. Your hosts are Dave Pygon, president of Pygon One Consulting, and his brother, Dr. Bud Pygon, anesthesiologist at the University of Illinois at Chicago. Thank you for listening. Welcome to Win the 16, everybody. Thank you for joining us today. As always, thank you to Carrie and the production team for all their work behind the scenes. We appreciate them. Today, we've got a guest with us and who's become a friend of the, not only the show, but the family in it. It is Dr. Baker. And I know what you're all thinking right off the bat, that we got Dr. Bud Pog and one of his friends on the phone at the hospital somewhere. And that's not the case. It's, uh, it's a very interesting story and an interesting business Dr. Baker has. And he's a neat guy. Uh, we bonded right away, not only from the business entrepreneur aspect, uh, but he's an ex-college athlete. And uh, we might get into a little fantasy football at the end. So bear with us because him and I both got big Ricky and set up. So Dr. Baker, welcome to the Win the 16 podcast. We're glad to have you, buddy. Thanks so much, Dave. I appreciate it. I really like what you're doing, helping businesses all around the world, giving them something to be able to stand on to that they may be able to use in their day to get better. Oh, yes. You know what? I'm going to let you introduce yourself and tell everyone about your business called the Business Hospital. Absolutely. And so uh, I am Dr. J.C. Baker. I own the only business hospital in the world. I know that that sounds like a marketing ploy, but it is not. I have a Ph.D. in business and leadership. I'm also completing my second Ph.D. in artificial intelligence. And so with that, I invented a way to be able to look at businesses by metrics of health. And so I invented the business health index along with the investment health index. Those two indices uh, essentially are like your body mass index. You know, when you look at cholesterol, blood pressure, heart rate, we're looking at the same things for a business. And so those metrics govern our behavior as to understanding what makes a business good, what May, you know, why businesses struggle. And we do that with all types of businesses. So micro businesses, boutique businesses, family legacy, class ones, minority, federal lane, large scale entities. We really look at all of them. It runs the gamut. We've been doing this work now seven and a half years. We're in 14 countries and we've helped over 1100 uh, patients right now. Our organization is made up of two nonprofits and one for profit. The Business Hospital Institute is like a cancer research institute. That's where all of our information goes, and we use that to treat our patients. That's a 501c3. And then the Business Hospital is a 501c6. That is our member-driven organization. That's where we provide all the treatment for our business patients. And then Dr. Baker and Associates, the Business Hospital is our for-profit leg. That's what we call elective treatment. So if there's something above the basic treatment status, you can pay for more, and that comes out of the for-profit side. How did you, when I first met you and I was introduced to you through Dan, I was thinking, this is what I was thinking. And I'm going to say this because I think our audience might be thinking this too, because we have a lot of business people who are our listeners. And I was thinking you were inside of a hospital running a business 
for the hospital. That was what I was thinking. And then you're like, no, Dave, that's not it at all. What we, what we do now, we could go maybe help them. So why don't you, and I know you've touched on it briefly, but let's dig deep, Dr. Baker. Mm-hmm. What is business health for people? So in this instance, a lot of times businesses believe that they're good based on how much money they make or how much money they have not made. And that's not accurate. Uh, what is important are the components of the business. And so when we say business health, one example is legal health. And so if we were to go in and say, okay, what do your uh, arrangements, agreements, contracts look like? And you're like, I don't know, I got this from an online template. Okay, but has any attorney blessed that? And you might think, well, no, I got it from the online measure because I don't have a bunch of money to hire an attorney. It looked like the document was gonna suffice for this partnership that I have. You could actually set yourself up for all types of risks that will create your business. So in that instance, we're gonna look and say, based on what you currently have, it's okay for these types of things, but these other things, not so much. We're gonna make sure that all of your legal wares are in order. Now you're a healthier business legally. Same with risk. You might be okay with reputational risk, but you might be bad at cyber risk. Or maybe you're okay with cyber risk, but you're bad with employee risk. And so in that, we're gonna help you understand all the measures of what you need in order to make sure that you're as healthy as possible in order to execute. I was fascinated when you communicated to me the different types of businesses. Why don't you share with everybody the different type of businesses from scope of size to who they are to give people who are listening saying, is my business a candidate for Dr. Baker and the business hospital? That'd be great. Absolutely. Absolutely. So really every business is, if you think of us identically like a medical uh, hospital, if you cut your, your, your hand cooking, you go to the hospital if it wouldn't stop bleeding. If a loved one didn't, uh, you know, was, was having trouble breathing, you would immediately go to the hospital. If there was something wrong with your child and you couldn't explain it, you'd immediately go to the hospital. You wouldn't say, I wonder if I'm a candidate. You would just go and let them tell you what's wrong with you. We operate the exact same way is that even though business types are different, for an example, a startup is different than a manufacturing plant. However, most people think startups are new businesses that are being deployed. That is the wrong definition. A startup is something that is disrupting an industry. So that's why Uber is considered a startup. Tesla is a startup because it disrupts the way in which an industry operates. So the point of me using this example is the needs of a startup uh, a lot of times are capital intensive. They got to find a differentiation point. They have to make sure that their team is built from, from scratch and they have to have some intellectual property that they can control. Well, all of those are still a part of the 22 metrics within our business health index. But let's say you're a catering company and that you had this family catering company making cobbler for the last 70 years. Well, in this instance is that this, the metrics are similar. Why? Because you have to identify your target audience. You have to have internal controls in order to, to even know what orders come in and how to deploy them. You got to have intellectual property on your trade secret of how you make your cobbler maybe differently than someone else on, on and on. So every business still has to deal with the same 22 metrics in the business health index to determine their ability to either scale or operate efficiently or just simply exist in a way that is lucrative enough for what they want out of their business. Is there a size 
from smallest possible business, whether it's revenue. Why don't you share that with everybody? So Absolutely. So no, there's no sizes. There's no requirements of any type. So you could be a person that is working. You know, let's say you're working, you know, as an accountant and you're like, you know what? I'm just kind of tired of being here. There's a better way of doing it. And I got an idea of what I want to do. Having that idea means you need business treatment. Why? Because you may not even know what to think about. There's a term that I teach on a lot. It's actually in one of my six publications. One of them is how to make good business decisions. And in that textbook, we talk about metacognition. Metacognition is the science of thinking about what you think about. Now, I know that definition sounds, you know, I guess pretty cute or pretty poetic, but it isn't. The reality is our brain doesn't have the ability to do this until we're around 11 or 12 years old. So if you've got a child and you're like, Billy, what the heck are you thinking about? Billy ain't thinking. Billy doesn't have the ability to think in the ways that we want him to. He's just existing and reacting and mimicking off of muscle memory, but not actual thought. Well, your prefrontal cortex isn't built up to your mid-20s. And that part of your brain is what lets you deep dive into critical thinking. So that's still fragmented. So why am I saying that? Is that if you're thinking of creating a business, you need our assistance just for the metacognitive state, just to even understand how should you position? What resources will you need? How should I, uh, uh, what, what, what ways will I uh, announce myself to the world? On, on, and on. But let's say you're, you've been in business and you actually have a good portion of your market share. That can be market share in your county. It can be market share in the nation, whatever it might be. You might be looking to the future to say things are changing because of, let's say, artificial intelligence. Am I positioned well enough to participate or will this phase me out three years from now? Even though I'm in a good position today, I may not be six years from now. You would still need treatment. Let's say you're a part of, you know, you've got 400 employees but we also live in a time of the great resignation, silent quitting, gig economy, and that you're really worried about your human capital needs. You would need treatment. So the reality is there is no certain business size, there's no class, there's no type. We're coming and looking at the health metrics of a business regardless of where they are. And it's everything within a business. Mm -hmm. Every a single thing. A through Z, because that was the other thing. When we started talking, and you're like, Dave, your leadership development you stuff you do, that's a treatment for some organizations. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't even thinking that, but literally, you are a business hospital. You will help and support any type of business, whatever metric or part of their organization that needs support or help or just to make it even better. Absolutely. And we do that a host of ways. We do that with uh, our practitioners. All my practitioners specialize in something different than I do. Uh, then we've got hospital wings in which those are third party companies that are contracted to us, which is identical to you going to your primary care physician. They find a lump. They send you to an oncologist. It's the exact same premise. But then we've got people like Dave Pygon of Pygon One who specializes in leadership. And some say, well, Dr. Baker, isn't part of your doctorate in leadership? Aren't you guys competitors? And the answer is no. Dave Pygon becomes <clears throat> medication for my patients. Why is that? Because I can go in immediately and say, you guys have a leadership problem. You guys also have a follower problem. How many times, Dave, and I tell you, I don't hear it much. Almost no one says I have a follower problem. They always think it's leadership. 
But in this instance, you need followers to be cultivated, just like you need leaders in order to be taught. And so therefore, we would say your medication is to work with Pygon 1. Why? Because they're going to help you understand the dynamics of your operation. So that's why we can work with almost any company. We're not a competitor of anyone's. Our job is to supplement and accent or complement any other operation just to make sure that that business is healthy. Doc, Dr. Baker, you know what's so genius about that in the timing of your business in the last seven years that you started this? The world has become so, so specialized that that is what the market wants. They want the best of the best in marketing. They want mm -hmm. the best of the best in brand, branding, legal, accounting, whatever it is, expense management, and that's what the business hospital does. You bring to them the specialists that they want. You are not a generic organization. Hey, we can do everything. What you can do is get them the best of the best, uh, which is, it, it's amazing. It's not like when you, as being an ex-athlete, Dr. Baker, back in the day, you were playing offense, defense. You might have been the kicker, the punter, too, and you're smiling. <laughs> no one can see it. But that's not how it works anymore, right? You're, mm -hmm. you're on offense or defense. But back in the day, I'm sure you were the running back, quarterback, wide receiver, and coaches like, hey, Baker, get back on the field. You're on defense, too, my friend. Well, you know, it's funny because uh, I played during a time when the AFL was at its highest, and I was able to play there for a while. And you play both ways and you play all the special teams. And that was a uh, part of the lure of that particular game. And then now when you get older and I have a daughter that plays soccer, um, she's nine and she plays select at the highest level of select, which is an oxymoron to me because I don't know how you're amazing at nine, but they force you into these buckets. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, and they always ask, you know, what yeah. position does she play? And I'm like, how does she have a position at nine? She should just be on the field playing everything, having fun, but it's no. Is she a striker? Is she a midfielder? Is she a defender? It, you know, does she play on the right side? And I'm like, how does she have a specialty at nine? Yeah. But that is where we're going. And that and when I say going, is that there's a lot of behavior pushing toward, you know, should you specialize in a thing? One thing that entrepreneurs have a hard time with is receiving help, though. They are still very much the generalist. They take pride in how many hats they wear. And so I always fight against that and say, you shouldn't wear all the hats because you're not good at every hat that you put on. So we need to make sure that you're spending most of your effort with the thing that the Lord blessed you to be the best at. So if you have the best peach cobbler, you keep making the peach cobbler. Let someone else do the books. Let someone else do the marketing. Let someone else handle the management of the humans. I, I, was, your pro I was the guy four months ago. I finally, I was, some of my categories of business, here was my problem. I can do it, and I've done it so many times as a leader over the years, but someone else could do it better, some of mm -hmm. these things. And I'll give you an example. I finally hired Jane's agency and Brooke Foley for my branding a couple months ago mm -hmm. to help me with that because she's an expert at it. I met Absolutely. her over the summer, and she's amazing, and her team are and i was trying to in a problem let me phrase it not probably it absolutely not only took away time it took away money from pygon one mm -hmm. by not 
jumping on this earlier in the process. So I'm guilty as charged. So you were talking about me. So I felt it. I felt it. it. So what are some of the typical business issues? Because I think as a listener out there, whether it's a business owner or it's an executive leader in a medium, large organization, they're starting to process now and think, okay, I got Dr. Baker. I hear what he's doing. I hear what he help them get their arms around what are some of the typical issues. And you covered some of them. Throw some more at us. Well, one is bad information is the worst. Uh, That's the biggest epidemic that business owners have is because uh, they want to self-teach. They want to self-diagnose. And so a lot of times we don't understand the contextualization of the information that we receive. Uh, One of the reasons that I'm completing my doctorate in artificial intelligence is because there has to be uh, parameters of where the AI pulls its information from and there has to be a standard of what it spits back out to you. But if you're just the average person who wants information now, what are they going to do, Dave? We know that they're going to Google something, they're going to search something on YouTube, or they're going to ask ChatGBT. And they're never going to determine if they're going to source it or they're going to ask their uncle who ran a business but was never classically trained in a thing. And so because of that, they're going to take that information as gospel and then they're going to act on it. Then when they act on it, they're not certain if they're making errors or if they're pushing their business forward. So their entire existence becomes research and development. And that is bad. Some Mm -hmm. things need to be known. One thing that we tell our patients regularly is let us tackle all the things that are known So we can expedite your journey and then we'll tackle the unknowns together because there's always going to be unknowns. None of us have a crystal ball that can see the future and that's going to be tough enough. But the known things, get that from experts and make sure that you're talking to experts. And so in that instance, that is the biggest issue that we find among small business owners is that they're just bad with information, which leads to bad decision making. Absolutely. Makes complete sense. What about larger, medium and larger organizations, Dr. Baker? Too many humans. Um, So by definition, small business is anything under $50 million or 500 or less employees. So what most people think is a large business is actually still a small business. So once you get above $50 million and you start talking 75 million, 100 million, there's so many employees. Well, what does employees mean? It's siloed and fragmented departments and information takes longer to 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 percolate through the organization so decisions are slower. And so that's just a natural function of just having a lot of humans, which means that now your systems have to be better. And what we typically find is that systems for information either don't exist, they're antiquated, or people ignore them. And so now that causes larger companies to fall out of touch with their employees or fall out of touch with what, what industry standards are on, on, and on, and then you have to kind of go in there and reshape their systems. Can I ask you a question completely? It just popped in my brain mm-hmm. uh, that might be a little bit off the track. Have you, do any of your high, high executives, you know, you know, medium-sized business owner, maybe even some of the large, small, who have automated systems, do they know how horrific most of those systems are for clients? Um, Sometimes they do, but it's a matter of cost or it's a matter of internal functioning, meaning that it's worse for Jim or Sue who calls in, but it's better for Frank and Susan who works in the department and or it's better for our bottom line. Some entities 
operate in such a way where you can't really get around it. For an example, if I don't like my energy company's systems, what am I going to do besides whine and complain? The answer is nothing. I'm just going to be on hold. I'm going to push the buttons and I'm going to, you know, it might be an hour of my time, but until I decide that I want to deal with uh, somebody's network marketing so, and they're dealing with deregulated energy and I want to get my energy from, from uh, you know, DeAndre, then what happens is I got to deal with the conglomerate. And so the conglomerate knows that their system is bad, but it saves them money. They don't have to hire 10 more people. They is less management. And they're like, we don't care if they struggle. We're the only distribute. We're distributing 90% of the energy to this area. So you have that reality. Other realities where, you know, customer service or interaction is important to their bottom line, meaning that they know that the better they interact, the more money they make then they change things. They do hear from the consumer and they take that and say, let's make a legitimate change. The problem is the consumer is fickle. These people will lie to you. You know, you think the surveys tell you the truth. They don't. You think people are honest about what they think. And really, they're not thinking. They're only thinking about or they're only reacting off of their current emotional state to their interaction with you. They're not thinking about the, the 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 aggregate as a whole, and that gets hard for businesses to decipher what is the consumer saying. I, I'll give you an example, and then I'm gonna use a sport example for this. How many times have you seen the fans boo a team, say get rid of a coach, they get rid of the coach, they bring a new coach in, and they don't like that coach either? Oh, sure. Right. right. And you're like, well, what am I supposed to do? I could have kept the other guy. You hated him. We went and got the next best guy who had all the name and all the flash. And you hate him, too. So if I'm just listening to the fans all the time, I can't run an operation. Correct. Correct. I'm so glad you brought that up on this podcast today because you're exactly right. And a lot of times in business. And in sports, we just want change. Mm-hmm. We just want change. For whatever reason, I have another question for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you're working with organizations and you're funneling them down, what is what is the pushback? Because I'm sure you find things that's going to help them. What pushback do you get from them not taking the medication as you use or to move forward to help the business when you can show it so, so black and white, like here's an issue, here's how you can get better. Uh, we really don't have pushback. Uh, in seven and a half oh, okay. years and all of the companies, over 1,100 companies, we really don't get pushback because I am their doctor. And that has a lot to do with my positioning. And when I say that, you know, even with my title, even in common everyday walking around, I have people call me doc. You can't call me by my first name. I won't respond to it. And some people think it's arrogance and it isn't. It's just the like if you were talking to your pastor, your pastor is always your pastor. Right. And even if you don't believe in the same religious text that that pastor does, you still will acknowledge that pastor as pastor because you recognize that. Look, I might be atheist, but I know that that's a pastor. And so therefore, that respect has to be there for my patients. They understand that. So they don't give me pushback because I wouldn't exist if you didn't walk into my hospital. So the moment you walk into my hospital is the moment that you then submit yourself to our treatment. And if you're not going to submit to the treatment, you won't be in treatment. So therefore, there there is no pushback. Dr. Baker, Mm -hmm. I've got a comment. 
I talk behind your back. Could you feel it, by the way, here in Chicago? No. Nope. I live in the south side. I've been talking behind your back. <laughs> I'm good with uh, that. I know you're an ex-big athlete. I get it. But with that said, here's what I loved. Here's what I loved. Uh, one of the things I love what I do, whether it's podcast, book, or just the company, is I get to meet people I might not have ever met. You're mm -hmm. one of them. And let me tell you what I've been saying behind your back. <laughs> I know you're laughing. You're, you know, you're, you're like, are we going to fight here today? Uh, <laughs> and that's this. I asked you, because I've always done it, especially when I was in medical and I was a leader in medical or when I was selling. I used to always ask the doctors. I used to say, hey, what do you want me to call you? And very seldom they would say Bill or Dr. So-and-so. And you go, and we were getting along really well. You showed me your backyard. You showed mm -hmm. me the court and my basketball because, you know, it's right up my alley, which is amazing, by the way. I can't yep. wait to come and shoot some ball. There. Yep. You go, call me Dr. Baker. And I go, and I was thinking, and then you said your why to me. And I've told your story to people because I am now learning about branding. Mm -hmm. It is, it's genius, my friend. Thank you. It is genius because you're Dr. Baker. And mm -hmm. when I see you, if I come to your town in Ohio, you come up to Chicago, we have dinner or lunch. You're mm -hmm. Dr. Baker to me. Yes. And well, number it's one, awesome. I appreciate that. And I thank you for that. No, but number no. two, it's being vigilant about what you offer to the world. A lot of business owners don't do that. My wife is our chief technical uh, writer. And so she's 25 years in the space, $1.3 billion worth of grants that she's recovered, 75% closing ratio. She's an absolute rock star. But the reason why I'm pumping her up right now is one thing she talks about is building the business's eminence. And most businesses aren't eminent. And it takes real work to do that. So if we go back to the peach cobbler example, the peach, if you have your grandma's special peach cobbler, everyone needs to know that that peach cobbler is the best peach cobbler. And in that instance, your positioning matters to everyone else. You even have scenarios, and you know I'm right because you live in Chicago. You've got some restaurants that people will travel to that don't live in Chicago just to go to some of those restaurants Amen. because their eminence has been built. And so now they have to execute on that eminence, but the eminence is what drives it. We are no different. If you think that I'm just a consultant, I am going to have a fight with that person. Not that consultants are bad. I prescribe consultant work. But there's a difference between a business doctor and a consultant, just like there's a difference between a consultant and a coach. Like there's wonderful business coaches out there, but business coaches don't do the same work as a consultant does. And a consultant doesn't do the same work as a business doctor does. And you know what? It's not out of disrespect either what you're saying. Mm -hmm. I want to say that there. this is not you being on a pedestal because I will tell you that coach is to me it's kind of being thrown around a little too much in my world. Mm -hmm. I almost would say, oh, well, Dave, I get what you do. Now you're a coach. And I mean, okay, I guess you can use that. But anybody can be a coach, right? You don't have to, you don't, you, it, it's more, teachers can coach, right? There's a different mm -hmm. coaching in management mm -hmm. and mentoring and mm -hmm. sponsorship. Like these are all different things. And I, I, what I see in the world of leadership is people don't differentiate the difference between what a leader is versus a manager or what a coach yes. is versus a mentor, what mm -hmm. a sponsor is. Like, they're different things. What you spelled out for everybody is your and what you do 
is different than what a consultant does. Mm-hmm. That's really all what you're saying here. It's yes. not about being on a pedestal. Well, well, well let, me add to that. let me add to that because your point is so valid. It very much is the difference between COVID, a cold, and the flu. All hmm. three of them, you're sick, but you can't use the same treatment for all three. They're no. very different, and their symptoms can be very different, and those viruses look different. So if you try to treat them all the same, your results are going to be different. So that's our reality is helping businesses understand that we understand the nuances of your business. And there's a treatment plan for that business. And part of that treatment plan is to bring you a consultant that's going to help you with that. And another part of that is to bring you a coach that's going to help you through that or a mentor that's going to help you through that. Because all of these different titles specialize in something that is important for the body of business. Smart. Just smart. Uh, Why don't you share this with people? I think this would be good to help them understand, again, even further the business hospital and the expertise. What are some general best practices? You don't need to give everything away. Mm -hmm. They need to call you, and I'm going to get your information right after this question so you can share with people. What are some general best practices to whet the appetite of my listeners out there that you could help them? Number one is, um, I'm going back to a point that was somewhat made earlier, but make sure that you're surrounding yourself with at a minimum other professionals, but find you a couple experts. And whether they are experts that you hire or whether you can befriend and build relationships with, but they have to be experts. And when someone says, well, what's the difference? You know, my friend's been doing this for 20 years. They're an expert at it. No, an expert is an industry leader in that space. So industry could be in your town. It could be in your state. It could be in the the nation. But that person is recognized as the top of the food chain of what they do. Because that person has a vested interest in their expertise, which means that they're going to give you the best information for your decision making. 70, almost 70 percent of businesses fail before year four, 75 percent never make it to 10. What that means is, and I, I am saying this with the utmost respect, there's amateurs running businesses, which is why they fail, which means that you need to supplement your amateurism with an expert. And so that is a best practice. Next is continuing education. Do not stop learning things. So make sure if there's certifications to get, you get them. If there's seminars to go to, you go. If there's something to read, you read it. If something comes on the news and it's breaking and it's changing and disrupting, you learn it. Continuing education makes you a better business owner. I'm just writing down. Mm-hmm. I got to take this. I'm what I'm all, everything you've talked about. I'm right in line with all of this stuff. You know, and I don't just say these things. You got a scenario where I'm getting a second doctorate, not because I learned it all, but because I have to continue to learn and I have to continue to get credentials and I have to make sure that I'm ahead. The stuff that I knew 15 years ago may be obsolete today and will be obsolete five years from now. So it, we are in a knowledge society and you have to push yourself to that. I'm going to give you something I hear sometimes. It's you're going to want to jump through the screen when I tell you this. I know you. The, the, what I know about you, it's <laughs> you're the antithesis of this. I sometimes get this. We're doing well. This is how we've always done it. Mm-hmm. You're doing well today. That doesn't mean you'll be doing well, <clears throat> you know, five years from now. 
You know, there's nowhere in the world UPS or the, uh, the United States Postal Service should not have invented email. Right? There's no way Blockbuster should not have invented Netflix. Like you're just doing well until you're not doing well. And all the statistics are against you doing well for a long time. So if you, and not that you're a gambling person, whoever's listening, it's the fact that statistics matter because they give a baseline of behavior over time. And you would just be a child not to follow that. Yes. And when I hear people. Challenge is the wrong word when they. You see it in sports, but I also see it in, in regular business, too, when they fight analytics. And I always I don't get defensive with them. My brother and I were always like it. The data supports you going for it based on all the parameters we have. Mm -hmm. I understand your gut. I understand all this other stuff. But if you do it over a period of time, mm -hmm. the data supports you will not win as much as you could. So I always think that point of view said, yeah, you're doing good today. But I don't know about you. If I was in your backyard back in the day and I was knocking down 50 percent of my threes, I want that 60. Like, mm -hmm. why am I putting a limit? Because I'm pretty good. It just doesn't make sense. And I don't know. Is it laziness, Dr. Baker? Is it hard? No, I, for I, I don't to learn? think. Well, the quick answer to that actually is yes, but not for laziness sake. It's okay. because it's unfamiliar, it's uncomfortable, or you're just not good at it. So therefore you avoid it. And that's a natural thing. You know, when we talk about math, most people are garbage at math. We don't, we don't want to do it. We don't want to read it. We don't want any part of it. That's just, it's like most people are right-handed, not left-handed. So it's like when you put math up, it's like, whoa, what is all of that? Give me some words or give it to me really quickly so that I can go ahead and, and move on. But analytics really allows you to understand patterns. And so when you understand patterns, for an example, if you're in the Midwest, it rains significantly less in September. So why do people have marriages outside in May and then get mad when it rains? <laughs> Analytically, for 200 years, you would have known it's going to rain over half the month in May. You should probably push it off until September. But September costs more. Why does it cost more? Because they know it's going to rain. It's not going to rain. And outdoors at a premium. Yes. Right. But that's what statistics and analytics will do for you. It makes you a better decision maker. And that's oh, complicated for people. It, we were just talking about uh, quarterbacks in the NFL. And then, it, like you said, everybody wants to change their coach and they want to change their quarterback. Get it right. And we were conversation we we're having with my brother was this. And that is. These new quarterbacks coming up out of college. College, being a quarterback, whether you're Caleb Williams, J.J. McCarthy, any of these guys, I would have my video analytic guys break down every throw that they throw under three seconds. Mm -hmm. I'd have them break down all their throws that are NFL throws, and I wouldn't count or care when they're back there for four or five seconds. Mm-hmm. That's completely, or the ones that are wide open. Mm -hmm. You and I can make that throw, for goodness sakes. Not really, but maybe. Um, mm -hmm. That analytical stuff is so imperative. I don't know why we're not using that, because that's really what's going to be the difference. Well, that's like, I, 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 I'm jumping in because you're making such a strong point. 
if we go and it sounds like we didn't morph to a sports show, but Trey Lance, who was at San Francisco, who's now at Dallas, who got drafted in, you know, in the first four picks of the draft a few years ago, people are wondering why did he not pan out? Because he played like 11 total games in college. Right. So they looked at his physical tools and said, oh, he's going to be the next everything. And they projected. However, he didn't have a baseline of analytics to support the opinion, which now they made. And and here's the thing about sport. If I signed a person to 40 million dollars, that's a 40 million dollar company. They're almost out of small business range, according to the SBA. And that's one person. So Mm -hmm. every single person playing is a small business in the NFL. And you just made a small business mistake by doing that. We do the same thing as a barbershop, the same thing as a cleaners. The same, I mean, on and on and on is that we aren't looking at these things. We just do them because we either have a passion or we've been good at doing the actual task. And so we say we're going to run a business and then we ignore everything else because we don't know how to do it or no one's made us aware. And that is a problem. Yeah. Well, I told you we were going to get in some sports. I wasn't lying to you, right? <laughs> I said early on. I'm not. I got a Cincinnati Bearcat ex-athlete on the phone. We're getting at. We're on there. Um, <laughs> Dr. Baker, you're so intelligent, bright. You're a good man. You're likable. How can people reach out? You want Thank to share you so your information? Much. Yeah, it's really easy. Website is thebusinesshospital.com. Everything is there from all my publications to my team to how to engage with us. My email address is drbaker, as in Dr. Baker, at thebusinesshospital.com. No email goes unread. We check all emails within a three-hour span, and I respond personally to every email that comes in internationally, which means that it is very much a part of our process. Every person is important, and we also take every meeting. We have a system that allows us to do that. And so those are the top two ways. Go to the website or just send me an email directly, and it gets to, to me. And then we're able to communicate from there. Everyone, please reach out. He's a good man, first and foremost, who happens to be brilliant, to say the least. Also, for some reason, if you have a challenge there, but it's very easy to contact the business hospital, you always can reach out to me at pygon1.com and I'll get out, I'll, re, I'll get you connected with my friend. So, Dr. Baker, before we sign off today, any last parting words that you'd like to share? Yeah, don't feel badly because you don't look like other people on LinkedIn or on uh, on social media. Most people are lying about what they look like. Um, they don't make what they say they make. And you can become discouraged real quickly because you're trying to chase an image or a picture that's not real. Feel really good about what you've accomplished. Don't ignore your wins and stay hopeful at the fact that you've taken a leap for a reason and you are valuable. Well said. Well, everybody, thank you so much for listening to Win the 16 podcast. We appreciate you. Dr. Baker was nothing less than outstanding today. Hopefully the value came through. Please reach out to him. If you need to, if you would like to speak with us here at Pygon One, please, we'd love to hear from you, whether it's about the podcast or have a discovery conversation about you and your business. You can reach out at PygonOne.com. Thank you, everybody. And as always, Win the 16. Thank you for listening to the Win the 16 podcast presented by Pygon One. Please follow us on Spotify or Apple Podcast. Episodes will be released every other Wednesday at 7 a.m. Central Time. Thank you and go win the 16.